Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again as we continue uh, to read through the Bible in a year. We have made our way uh, to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Uh, we're certainly entering uh, the final minutes of the final quarter of uh, our reading through the New Testament. And so if you've got a Bible and it's handy, uh, I would hope you can open it to the book of Hebrews. We'll look at chapters 1 and 2 uh, this morning. And uh, your reading load is going to be a little lighter uh, as we go through the book of Hebrews. Is uh, that on most of the days, uh, we're only going to do two chapters. Now, I will say to you that... Uh, uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, from uh, what people say to me, have said to me over the years, is a, a difficult book to read. Uh, uh, the commentators will say that the, the Greek uh, that the book is written in is uh, very difficult uh, Greek to, to translate. And uh, while I can uh, read and translate a little Greek, uh, all Greek is difficult for me. I'm not qualified to judge uh, how difficult one is versus another in that it's all fairly difficult to me. Uh, but uh, it is um, a book that um, because of its emphasis upon uh, rightly understanding the Old Testament rituals in view of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ is difficult because we're not as familiar maybe as we should be uh, with the, the Old Covenant and its sacrificial system. And so uh, uh, that makes it uh, difficult. Uh, uh, it is also a book that says some things that uh, are uh, just difficult all on their own. Uh, there are a number of encouragements towards perseverance that we will focus in on uh, as we read through it. And I think those are very important. I think the emphasis upon uh, the doctrine of perseverance, what it is and what it is not, what it means, uh, is something that is lost uh, in the church and we want to rightly emphasize what it means to uh, persevere or what it means for God to preserve uh, his people uh, through, every, uh, through every trial. Uh, the book is anonymous and uh, through the course of uh, the history of its uh, 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 translating and interpretation. There have uh, been quite a few people that have been set forth as a possible author uh, of this book. And at the end of the day, we really don't know. And I think uh, uh, we can just leave it at that. Uh, the book was likely written uh, in uh, probably the, the 60s uh, before the destruction of, Jeru of the temple in Jerusalem. It seems to speak of the sacrificial system as something that was uh, still uh, being carried out there at the temple certainly doesn't mention the destruction of the temple that occurred in 70 AD. And so uh, many of the older manuscripts uh, have as a kind of a superscription uh, to the Hebrews. And so written uh, to Hebrews, uh, some who have professed Christ, some who are considering the claims of Christ, some that because of the challenges uh, associated with their confession of Christ, are being sorely tempted to uh, forsake Christ and return uh, to uh, the, the uh, tenets of the Old Covenant. And so there's ample uh, warnings uh, there. Uh, certainly explanations of how Jesus fulfills the uh, Old Covenant types and that Jesus and the New Covenant that he inaugurates is superior uh, to all 
that came before him. And so uh, I would say that uh, the overarching theme, uh, of which there, there are a number that we can pick out in the book of Hebrews, is the superiority of Jesus Christ. And so let's look at uh, chapters 1 and 2, and I'm going to focus in on uh, the first four verses uh, this morning. But uh, uh, a lengthy argument uh, runs through chapter 1 as to the superiority of Christ, an argument that will be advanced through the course of the book. And then chapter 2, in view of the greatness, the finality of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, then we must pay attention to that which is said uh, by Jesus and said in regards uh, to uh, Jesus that uh, the uh, uh, Old Testament uh, Israel was held accountable uh, for that which they heard from God in relation to the covenant that he had inaugurated or established with them uh, through Moses. And uh, they were held accountable for transgressing it. And so because Jesus is superior, he is ultimate, how much more so uh, are they going to be held accountable for uh, neglecting uh, to pay attention uh, to what Jesus has done uh, and what has been said in regards uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, this, this great reminder uh, that Jesus, as the author and finisher of our salvation, has uh, gone through death and defeated it and has come out on the other side, and he is prepared uh, to be our, our faithful and sympathetic high priest. And so we go back to chapter 1. Let's, let's read uh, those four verses that began the book. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, uh, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more, in, more excellent than theirs. So a reference to the fact that God has not been silent over the centuries, that God has revealed himself in a number of different ways uh, uh, through uh, literally speaking, uh, through speaking uh, through the prophets, through visions and dreams, and through the sacrificial system itself, through the uh, written scriptures that we call our Old Testament. Uh, God has not been silent. He has spoken. He has spoken well. He has spoken clearly. He has spoken authoritatively. And uh, he has uh, bound people. Uh, by what, how he has uh, revealed himself. But now uh, a new epoch has dawned upon us, the epoch in which God has revealed himself ultimately, finally, perfectly in his son, uh, Jesus Christ. This son is the one uh, that is appointed as the heir of all things, that because, as we see here, he is the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer of all things that are, he is the one that will inherit uh, all things for the glory uh, of the Father. And so he is... Uh, truly God, and uh, the language here uh, nails that down, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his 
nature. And this is one of the passages that I will often reference along with John 14, 6 and Philippians 2 and Colossians 1 and 2 as places where uh, the New Testament authors nail down uh, the reality that uh, Jesus Christ is truly uh, God and man. And so uh, as God, he is uh, the creator of all things. As the God-man, he has uh, uh, acted as the uh, ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He has redeemed us from uh, our sins. And after his death, God has raised him from the dead and he has ascended uh, to the right hand where he uh, rules and reigns. Uh, He is our perfect advocate before our Father and he is still sustaining uh, the creation Uh, that God uh, used him as his own agent to create. And so uh, all of the properties instilled upon creation, at creation, uh, they're kept in motion and things are kept operating uh, as they were designed to do by the word of the power of the Son. And so uh, we see here a a great and clear testimony uh, to the superiority, uh, to the perfection, uh, to the, the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this is a blessing to your day, and we'll look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow.